Welcome to Eternal Flame, Passing the Torch with Shawn Michael. The Eternal Flame, Passing the Torch is a podcast about sharing knowledge. Since the beginning of humankind, knowledge has passed from one to another. This podcast is about having real conversations with everyday people, learning from their life experiences, and giving a voice to people who are trying to put good into the world. This podcast is politically and religiously neutral and is designed to foster unity and healing in a world divided. The things that unite us are far greater than the things that divide us. The Eternal Flame, passing the torch of knowledge from one individual to the next. Joining us today is Jessica Stern. Jessica is a parent and software engineer at the Walt Disney Company. Some of her volunteer experience includes homeless youth advocacy, coexistence, and suicide prevention. Jessica is truly a beautiful soul with a kind heart and an intelligent mind. Everyone, please give a warm welcome to Jessica Sturm. So tell us about yourself, your professional experience, and a bit about who you are. Sure. So I'm a single mother to a 15-year-old young man who is the absolute light of my life. I am also a mother to two dogs, uh, Pomeranian Husky Mixes, Yogi and Boo Boo. And since the pandemic, I've also become a plant mom. And I'm proud to say that they're all they're all still alive and kicking. So that's that's a huge positive. Um, I am a software engineer manager at the Walt Disney Company. I work on some of our consumer facing products and have been there for about seven years now. Dream job. Uh, and as far as uh, what I do outside of work and being a mother, I love being outside. I love fishing, hiking connecting with nature in any way, really, uh, gardening. And besides that, I have, I've been teaching myself and learning how to do uh, video work because, um, Garrett has been, um, interested in playing volleyball at the college level. So at his volleyball games throughout the winter, I've been recording those and editing those, putting clips together for recruiting purposes. It's been, uh, it's, Thanks to Sean Michael, I've learned some lessons. Um, and I also uh, volunteer uh, various different in various different ways. What are three of the most important life lessons that you've had that you've had to learn that you wish you knew when you were eighteen? Well, when I was eighteen, I was uh, pregnant and trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. So I was definitely in a position where I could have had a lot more than just three lessons at that time. But, um, I guess one of the biggest ones would have been, uh, not to marry the father of my, of my son. Um, I think that, uh, we, you know, not really knowing, uh, what to do with, with a, a baby. It was, that was hard and, um, getting married and, and trying to be parents was, at the time seemed like a really like the only option, but knowing what I know now and going through all the pain that I've went through, it makes so much more sense if we would have just, you know, we could have been, we could have both been parents, just not married and together. And, um, that could have worked, but it also, there's, there's also factors of that, that, um, if we weren't married, I, I don't think I would have been able to make the move to Connecticut to have my job at ESPN and then Disney. Uh, I would have probably had to stay in Michigan with our son. So, um, everything does happen for a reason, but, uh, 
there was definitely a lot of negatives that came along with the marriage piece of that, that I wish I just would have not rushed into it and, you know, taken a pause and step back and just been able to co-parent together, but not as a couple. But still, that's got to be a, I mean, that's a huge undertaking at the age of 18. I mean, I'm 41 now and I can't, I still can't imagine going through that. So, uh, I mean, it's got to be overwhelming, I think, to anybody in that situation. So um, yeah. I think you kind of have to, you know, do the best you can in the moment that you're in, right? Yeah. And that's what, I mean, that's what we did. And I, you know, after a lot of reflection and, and digging, I, I was definitely, you know, um, forcing a square peg into a round hole. And in that regard by, you know, getting married, I, um, I was so afraid that if he wasn't in my life, that nobody would love me. And it, it was like a, it was like a, you know, having, having Garrett was like a built-in, he's got to love me. We got to get married. Um, because this being pregnant at 18 came on the heels of, of losing my grandma, which, um, I lost her when I was 16. So I was really still grieving. And I mean, I still to this day, I'm grieving that, but at that time, just two short years after her passing, I was still longing for, someone to love me and to, you know, fill that, that gap that, that she left. And so it was like an easy choice or like a forced choice, I guess, having it be the father of my soon to be son. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I wish I would have just, I wish I would have had at 18, I wish I would have had the self-love that I've, that I've gained over the years to be able to, um, you know, deal with having Garrett just on my own. So I first met Jessica, um, that had been like 2008, 2009. She was putting herself through college, um, raising Garrett, um, and at, at the same time working a full-time job, putting herself through school. And she was volunteering for not one, but two organizations, one of which was mine and another one which that I served on the board of directors for. Um, and I was just enamored by how she just kept taking on. She just like, she never, she had so much energy, like it never ended. And she was so passionate and um, she was always present. And she really, um, it's really just amazing to to watch that process unfold and and to you know, to get to know her over the years. Um, and I know looking back at that, we discussed that you know that may not have been the best thing. That may have been a coping mechanism of some kind, but um, of, of being that busy. But I mean, hats off to you for everything that you've done and how hard you worked to get where you are today. And you definitely deserve every happiness for in that regard. Thank you. Yeah, that it was definitely a coping mechanism. Um, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Like I met so many cool people, uh, yourself included, uh, who have become who have become dear friends of mine. And um, yeah, just that experience. I, I took on a lot and I, I know that I can handle a lot. So it is what it is. <laughs> 
So tell me about a time that you had to stand in your power, the discomfort of that and the end result. So just thinking back recently, um, I was in a position where Garrett was having a volleyball uh, tournament in Boston and I was having crazy amounts of anxiety because my ex-husband was going to be there and not only was he going to be there, he was bringing his now girlfriend who he cheated on me with to this volleyball game and it was very uncomfortable and I didn't, I did not feel like I had any control in the situation. I didn't feel like I was capable of dealing with that situation. And I spent a few weeks, uh, working, uh, with my therapist on it and like talking to friends about it and getting support through, through the anxiety and, and fear. And I was able to go to, to go to the tournament and not only go to the tournament, but take my, take control back, stand in my power. And I was friendly, like that came to a point where I had to either ignore them or face them. And I chose to face them instead of them, uh, either he or she, or both of them, you know, like coming to me, I went to them and that felt really good. And I was friendly with them. I could have been, it could have been nasty. I could have ignored them, but, um, taking control and being friendly to them, showing my son that it was okay to interact with them was, was really important to me. And, um, the end result of that is that I, in some, I still have yet to determine how, but in some weird way, I was able to get a piece of closure that I hadn't had before. And I, I'm okay. Like I, I was okay throughout the whole weekend and I'm okay now. And it just feels so much better having had that experience being in control um, yeah, so it was very, I was, whew, it was very uncomfortable. I, I was not sure that I could go even go and that, you know, there was definitely guilt associated with the thought of not going and that was also uncomfortable. So there's just like this whirlwind of anxiety and, and, um, huge amounts of discomfort. Uh, but I think choosing, choosing friendliness and, and acting in a, from a place of love, uh, was much more, uh, much more successful than had I been nasty or rude in the end. So was it, they talk about taking the first step. Did it like, do you remember the, the moment when you're like, okay, I'm doing this and you took the first step? Or was it, did it just kind of get lost in the emotion? Um, I took the first step. Yes. I, there had, we had sat through a game. Um, I didn't, I did, I didn't even really see them. I asked Garrett if, if he was going to say anything to his dad and he said no. And 
that in that moment, I said, okay, I've, I've got to be the bigger person here and take the first step and do this. And so it was, it was very conscious. It was a very conscious decision. It wasn't like, um, it's not something that I just, I didn't just wing it. It was calculated and, um, which, which felt really good instead of getting lost in the motion, which would have been definitely something that I probably would have done, um, even just like six months ago. So it felt good to be in control, not only of the situation, but of my emotions and, um, my actions. All right. So the next question, what was the hardest thing you've ever had to do in your life and how did you do it? The hardest thing that I've had to do has been over the past year and a half, um, looking, looking at myself and, um, seeing where I was at, uh, through the divorce and through the trauma that came because of the divorce or came before the divorce. I don't know necessarily how to say that, but, um, the trauma that led up to the divorce, I guess, um, that kind of opened the flood floodgates for, uh, processing so many more traumas and, um, just taking a, a step back and, and seeing how lost I had, I had been, um, from myself and who I was, uh, was, was very difficult. And just addressing those traumas was, it has been, and it continues to be, I'm still, I'm still dealing with, with some, um, it's been, the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Uh, it's, it's not easy. And, but I have a, a very great therapist. Uh, we do EM, I do EMDR every week and I've been doing it every week for the past year and a half. And it's, it's very difficult. There are, there are days that I don't feel like some traumas will ever be resolved. And somehow, some way, uh, we work through them and I am able to, um, feel comfortable with them and understand them better and understand myself better, how, how those traumas have impacted my life and how they have shaped who I am and moving the needle closer to acceptance on, on all of those, um, various things. Um, it's, it's a, it's a wild ride, but it's uh, much needed. For those in the audience that don't know, uh, tell us what e- EMDR is and a little bit more about that, if you could. EMDR is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So you, the eye movement, uh, it, it like reduces the uh, power, I guess, of the emotionally charged memories and it allows you to talk more freely about traumas. And so when you go through reprocessing, you have adaptive thoughts, um, such as I feel powerful, uh, because of X, Y, or Z. Um, and, and that's kind of where 
where you end if you're comfortable doing so. So there's like a scale that you rate your, your feelings on and, um, and you, when, once you get down to a certain level, that's kind of when, when you know that the, that, that thought or that trauma doesn't have as much power over you and you can kind of sit with it without having super, um, super strong feelings or, or discomfort about the memory. Um, so on zoom, on zoom, it's a lot different. I, we use tapping, uh, which is very, very similar because it's, it's rhythmic and it, it, it behaves in the same way. Uh, but I, I tap, uh, to a metronome, uh, instead of the eye movement part, but it, it, it works the, the same exact way. So tell me, we talked about a little bit of the hardship. So tell me what have been the best three moments of your life thus far. Sure. Um, the, the first thing that comes to mind is, is, is seeing Garrick find his groove and, and thrive as he's started um, high school. Uh, he's a sophomore now and is, is doing really, really well. Uh, the move here to Connecticut was, was super hard on him. Um, didn't really ever find a way to connect with people and um, ha- has spent a lot of his time um, connecting more with like his friends and family back home than, than here. And it's, it's difficult as a mother to see that. Uh, but, and he struggled in school too, but, um, since, since starting high school, he has made it a priority to do really well. And he's joined the volleyball team and has made some friends and just seeing him find that little bit of happiness has been, it's been a very joyous experience for me as his mother to see him um, happy. I know a lot of it has to do with the divorce and just me being uh, more on my, on top of my game and being better, better all around um, and being a better support for him. So um, it's, it's been really nice. And so Another awesome moment of my life has been uh, my, my, my Zoom divorce. I have never, as difficult and as painful as it was going through it, it's, um, I've never felt so free and happy and in my power than um, being on that Zoom call with the judge and my ex and the attorneys. Um, my, my, my best friend was here with me, uh, during the zoom call. And just once it was over, it was like feelings of joy just washed over me and freedom. Uh, and I felt like I finally had myself back and it was, it's been, it's, it's, on, it's definitely on the, on the top five list for me. <laughs> and then another one happened recently. My, my grandpa, who has always been pretty hard on me and did not necessarily approve of some of the decisions that I was making uh, through my teen years and early adult life, um, he came to visit here in Connecticut over the fall. And 
he said to me as he was leaving that I had a really nice house. And that meant the world to me because I knew, you know, while he didn't say, Jessica, I'm so proud of you. Um, I knew that he was, and that was his way of saying it. And um, I will never forget that moment. It was, I was, I felt so good and so proud of myself knowing that I had his approval and, and his blessing, if you will. It was, it was an amazing moment. Yeah. And especially since I have, you know, I, I've been doing this on my own now. I mean, sure, my ex, you know, moved here with us and, and whatnot, but I chose this house. I've been paying for this house. I have, you know, I, I got us to where we are now. And, um, so yeah, it, that meant a lot to me, a lot. <laughs> what are the three most extraordinary accomplishments of your life so far? I would say, uh, graduating university is definitely on the, on the top of my list because as you mentioned, I put myself through college. I was working full-time, raising a toddler, um, keeping, keeping a home, um, volunteering. So it was, it was a very stressful time, but I, I did it. And I, um, you know, when I found out that I was pregnant with Garrett, I was 18. I dropped out of college. I had nothing going for me. And I went back to work, working in the car manufacturing industry. Uh, so I went to work on the line for a couple of years and not having any purpose there whatsoever. I felt like a complete useless waste of space. Uh, I knew that I had more potential, but I, I just, I was so lost. So going from being completely at rock bottom in terms of um, purpose and just like feeling accomplished, I graduated university and that was, that was a, that was a great moment. And I also was, was, um, I was obviously doing it for myself, but I also had a cousin who was a few years younger than me. My little sister was 12 years younger than me. And of course, Garrett, who, who I knew was, not necessarily understanding what was going on, but I knew that it would mean something to him as he grew up. So I was doing it for myself and for other people too. And so that, that moment was definitely, is definitely on the, on the top of my list. And then once I graduated, I worked a little full time at the university that I graduated from and got frustrated there, not really having many challenges. And I applied for the job at ESPN and was called the very next day and ended up getting the job. So that was, that was a turning point for me. And I'm so proud of, of being able to say that I work for the Walt Disney company. It's an amazing company. And, um, I'm really proud of, of the, of the work that I, of the work that we do there. So the other thing would be, uh, just raising, raising Garrett and, um, seeing, seeing him grow and find himself. And, and I know that he is going to be so successful 
and he's so sweet. He has such a good heart. And while I know that a lot of it is probably from, you know, experiences that he has had, um, I definitely know that he gets some of that from me. So it's, um, I'm a very proud mom. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what your self-talk is like day to day. My self-talk is usually pretty negative. Uh, and I work on changing that, but I have also been talking this way to myself for 34 years. So <laughs> I, it's a very difficult thing to overcome. I think that ultimately having a positive self-talk is the way to ultimately win the day, just as the official answer. <laughs> but if you have negative self-talk, don't beat yourself up, but try to turn it into a positive as much as you can and, and use that, harness Absolutely. that power uh, and make something great of it. And if not, if nothing else, right. just Absolutely. to be like yes. in your face, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the re the rebellious part of I'm not doing this anymore and you don't yeah. have that power yeah. over me anymore. Yeah, it can be frustrating, but it's um like you said, like it sometimes it's effective and necessary. Um but yeah, working on it. It's a work in progress. Tell me about one of your most vulnerable moments that you're willing to share. Sure. I you know, going through the divorce and the trauma that led to the divorce, it was very difficult. And um, having to um, not only not only deal with, with the reality of, of the way that things were, um, having to accept support uh, from, from other people, my friends, family, therapists, uh, was, was very difficult. I was in a place where I felt so embarrassed and so, um, like such a failure for, for not making it work. And, um, I, I really thought that I was going to be ridiculed for, for not, you know, not doing things better or not, not being a better wife or not being a better mom, uh, just not, not making it work. And, the opposite is actually what happened. I, you know, as I began to open up and share, um, more, more people or people were more supportive of, of me and the situation than I would have ever imagined. And so, um, the lesson that I learned in that was that, um, as, as independent as I am and as much as I want to deal with things on my own, and not bother people with my stuff. It was not only necessary, but so therapeutic and so helpful. Um, and, and you're one of them. And I can't thank you enough for being there for me um, through all of that. I'm glad that you're able to, to you know, live your truth and, um, and you know, let us know. Because um, that's kind of the other thing. Your friends always know what's going on. You know what I mean? Like yes. when we're, we're talking yes. to you, we can hear it in your voice. You know what I mean? So yes. as much as you feel like you're doing a good job of concealing it, we're like, all right, yes. let's let's have the real talk. We know that something's going on here, you know? So, but I'm glad that you were able to, to break through that. And that is definitely a challenging thing to do. So, but I'm glad that you did it because look at you now. You're on the other side of it. And here we are. <laughs> Thank you so much.
So that was your most one of your most vulnerable, and I think that we've also talked about some other times that you're vulnerable from the, the previous question, like the life lessons that you learned, you know, that wish you wish you hadn't learned when you were eighteen and things like that. So, um, and your your experience with your ex husband recently at the sporting event in Boston. Um, so now looking back, so the next question is, what are your most brave moments that you're willing to share, and? Tell me about those. And it's okay if those are the same, because I feel like a lot of times that overlaps. Sure. Yeah, I would say um, moving to Connecticut was definitely the most, um, it, it's, it was the thing of my most recent memories that took so much courage and bravery. Uh, I did it on my own. I came here, um, Garrett was still in school, so I had to come to Connecticut. My job, um, or my, I was hired in, in February and Garrett was still in school. And I didn't feel that moving him school, moving his schools halfway through the year was, was a benefit to him. So I packed my car. I accepted the job. I packed my car and I, I came out here and, you know, being away from him and, and my husband at the time was, was very challenging. Um, I, but I did it all on my own and that was, um, it took a lot. It took a lot from me, uh, to, to not only to be away from them, but just to, to have that experience of, of being on my own. Uh, but, I ended up really enjoying it, um, the, the, the freedom aspect of it, and just like feeling powerful and accomplished in doing that. And then um, another thing, which I guess is, is very similar to that, is, is just doing, now doing this on my own uh, for real um, with Garrett here with me, of course. Um, you know, living 750 miles away from all of my friends and family back in Michigan and being here, uh, in Connecticut, you know, holding, holding onto this job that, that provides a, a very nice life for, for myself and, and our son and my son. Um, it's, it's not easy by, by any means, but it's, um, it's something that I'm definitely proud of and it's because I'm proud, I'm proud of it because I, I am, I have to be brave in, in doing this. Let me ask you this. Do you find a connection between your most vulnerable moments and your bravest moments? Oh, absolutely. I, um, just going back to going back to my most vulnerable moment, I, I definitely had to be brave in that as well, uh, by opening up and, and sharing and, um, putting putting it out there and speaking my truth uh, to the world was not to necessarily the world, but anybody that would listen. Um, <laughs> it was uh, it was it was challenging because I was afraid of being um, criticized or judged. But at the end of the day, that that didn't happen, at least not to my face. And um, yeah, it took a lot of courage. Being vulnerable takes a lot of courage. So how do you handle stress and or anxiety? I, stress and anxiety definitely um, impacts me in a way that I, I don't necessarily enjoy. I 
overthink a lot. I make poor decisions with eating. I get irritable. I engage in bullshit that doesn't serve me in any way, shape, or form. Um, and at, what I mean by that is like when I'm stressed or my anxiety is high, um, if my, you know, ex-husband or my mother or anybody, um, is poking the bear, let's so to speak, I engage and I let my emotions take over and uh, I just kind of get lost in that. And, um, I need to move my body. If I don't move my body and, um, beat it up a little on a daily basis, I find myself falling into that anxiety stress trap where I kind of turn into a monster. Um, so I definitely have learned that about myself over the past few years and it's tried, tried and true. Definitely, uh, definitely works. Um, moving my body is, is the thing that helps the most, whether it's yoga or running or Peloton or just getting out for a walk. I, I have to, in order to manage the anxiety and stress from your point of view. Um, and this is more of what I call the three V's virtues, values, and vices. So the good habits, the bad habits and values, right? Um, what do you think are the three biggest issues in the world today? I don't think there's three. I think there's one main root problem and that's greed and I feel like if we were able to somehow, I don't know the answer, how we were to fix it, but if we were to somehow be able to eliminate it, a lot of the nasty, toxic, negative things that happen in this world would vanish. It's hard to say what would happen if there was no greed, but I definitely look at most problems and see that somewhere along the line, someone somewhere is trying to get more of something and it's usually money. What is your message to the world? What is the one thing uh, you've got a captive audience at this point, whoever's listening. So uh, what's the, what is your message to the world? What do you, what do you, Jessica Sturm want the world to know? I want the world to know that it's so important to fix your shit. It's life-changing and no matter if you feel like you have shit or not, it's important to really sit with someone and take a really deep look into yourself and come to terms with whether it's negative things or traumas that you've had or just even like you and I were talking earlier about, you know, the negative talk that we have about ourselves. Um, fix that and, and figure yourself out and figure a way to love yourself so that you're able to genuinely approach everything that you do from a place of love and compassion and kindness. Um, the world could use a lot more of that. So that is absolutely awesome. And I can't agree with you more. That's that definitely needs to happen. 
Well, I can't thank you enough for taking your time out of your busy schedule to do this podcast with me. And um, I'm really excited for its release. And um, this will be the first episode that airs. And uh, I think that it's a uh, good omen of things to come. And I'm very excited about all the future possibilities Mm -hmm. that we have. And hopefully we get to chat again in the, you know, in the future and we'll uh, do this and see where we're at then and see if any of your answers change from time to time. So yeah, I would love that. And of course I would, um, I would do anything to, to help support you in, in your, in your endeavors because you are an incredible human being, John Michael. And I want to see, I can't wait for the world to hear you and everything that you have to talk about. So you're too kind. You are too kind. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, Jessica Sturm. Thank you so much. I hope that you have a fantastic evening.